Hey guys, and welcome back to Talking With Shadows, the conversations everyone has, but no one wants to admit. Here with your hosts, Marcus D. And Vic Waitley. And joining us in the studio today, an awesome guest. He is the uh, founder of the uh, paranormal group Interface Death, as well as the host of the paranormal shows Necromancer Live and My Paranormal Soapbox. Please welcome to the studio, Justin Brown. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Thank you so much, man. We're so glad to have you here. Um, we follow Justin's work for a very long time, guys. He's one of our favorite people in the community. And and no freaking kidding, guys. Like, back when we had 30 subscribers... We were this, nobodies. Yeah. <laughs> this guy reached out and made us a banner. Yeah. And we really needed one. Yeah, the banner that you guys see on our YouTube, Justin actually did that for us. And we've just kept it ever since, because it's that awesome. And we've been eternally grateful for that. So thank you so much, man. We want to make sure that we got that in this podcast. No problem. I enjoyed making it. I'm glad that you guys had use of it. And I just I just appreciate you guys, your support. And when you reach out to people and your you know, work in the paranormal community is very genuine. And it, it just, I resonate with it. So I'm honored to have you guys as my friends. Yeah, you were the very first person out in the community to, like, reach out to us and, like, do something for us. And it gave us that, like, little pep to kind of just, like, really start pushing. It, it did. And that, and then we were actually, uh, we actually went on your, we actually were interviewed uh, uh, by you, uh, by you, uh, and we were so, so excited to be able to get you on the show to talk to you. Yeah, you guys pretty much almost had your full bodies out of the closet by that time. I mean, <laughs> I thank you, you know, do the video because... But you, you you graced me with that privilege, and I haven't forgot it. Yes, that is that is true. There are a few select people in the community that know actually who we are and what we look like, and Justin uh, is actually one of them. Uh, a lot of it is so we don't get black bagged by the government. It's, a, it's oh. one of our big, big fears. And black bag tip of the day is always wear a black bag. So when they come to black bag, they'll be like, oh, someone's already got this guy. We don't, we don't got to worry about this guy. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, Justin, let's, let's, uh, let's get right into it, man. So how, how long have you actually been, uh, researching the paranormal? Well, that's, that's not an easy question. I've been researching aspects of the paranormal since probably middle school. I, you know, I, we, me and you are very much alike. Um, I, I played Dungeons and Dragons. I was into the occult. I was into the weird and the strange. I inherited a, a whole volume of man, myth, and magic at a young age. I've, I've just been in a world very, very strange compared to most people, and that mostly involved my mother. Um, she is a very, very talented metaphysicist, witch, psychic, whatever title you want to give her. She has brought me up with fantastical stories of paranormal encounters from anything you can imagine. There's just a range from interdimensional beings, UFOs, ghosts, time slips, parallel universes. It's I've all been incubated with all of that stuff. And it really came to fruition when I had a 
paranormal experience of my own in my early 20s that pretty much shifted me into a whole new level of interest and drive to understand not only my experiences, but why all, all these people out there have their own experiences and why others don't ever have experiences. So I've always been interested interested in psychology, anthropology, theology, all the ologies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so it really started with Interface Death in 2013, but there was a, a little bit of a slope leading up to that, and there's a few events you know, that include the experience with some of the experiences I had. If you want me to go into that, I would be willing to. But it really started in 2013 with the actual field research group. And I'd love to hear yeah, about that pivotal I, I, event that you're talking about, the the one that kind of really pushed you in your 20s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a doozy. It's one, it's one to... It's, I, I, it's weird telling it because... You, you feel strange, but I know that I'm not I'm not strange in this format. So I oh no no you're you're among good company. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean that's where that's where actually like the name of our podcast comes from is talking with shadows. It's those conversations everyone has, but so many times people just don't want to admit it. Everybody just doesn't want to talk about some of their experiences in the paranormal. But just almost ev- everybody that I've met has had something. I must have grown up a weirdo because I was always that guy who never understood, like, why you would ever sit on this. Why wouldn't this be, like, a major driving force for you? Yeah, I think I think what happens to people like us is we're taken advantage of because other people are insecure with themselves. People don't know how to deal with their own fear. And it comes across... As you know, you deal with bullies, you deal with people that are trying to single you out as different. And that's the problem in our society. You know, there's wrinkles in the fabric there. But my mom really helped me understand that this is real. This is something that I will experience at some point. And when I moved into a home in Hillsboro, which is in southern Ohio, it's probably about a 45 minute drive away from the Ohio river in the Ohio Valley. My mom and dad bought a house in Hillsborough, Ohio from a firefighter, a local firefighter. And he moved out to a, a farm outside of Hillsborough as we moved in. And when we moved in, there was nothing paranormal about the place. It was not haunted. There's nothing going on that we experienced. But a year after, the firefighter, the gentleman that sold us the house, ended up having a botched marriage. I think, from my knowledge, he was being cheated on. He discovered this, could not handle that, rolled his truck out to the to his barn out in his field and took a shotgun to his stomach and just blew his guts out. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, it was it was at that point we started experiencing the typical things. The onset of a haunting, footsteps, the strange noises, like there's someone in the home that's invisible, okay? <laughs> so my father would hear footsteps. Well, me and my brother's bedroom were upstairs, and that was the only two rooms up there. And you had to go through his, the firefighter's former office that we converted into a den. So he would hear footsteps go up the stairs, up and down, up and down, every night, seemingly. And my mother said, oh, no, that's not the kids. He's like, yeah, it's the kids. They're doing it again. Well, he would go up there every time and discover me and my brother sound asleep in our beds. 
and that puzzled him. And my mom knew early on that this is the firefighter who had committed suicide. That's what was doing it. And it wasn't until many years later it was revealed the mechanics of how someone can haunt a place even though they didn't die there or so and so forth. And we can kind of get into that if you want. But this all escalated. I mean, so many things happened, guys. It all escalated over years. Um, about 10 years later, my mom and dad's divorced. My dad, you know, they've been in and out living in the house. I have lived in the house in and out. And it would just escalate to these weird things, okay? Things moving around on their own, coins, pennies being thrown across the room on their own, okay? The very first time, I, you know, it started to solidify. My belief in the paranormal started to solidify when I saw a penny on top of my VHS um, player. This kind of dates this experience. It was laying on top of it. I seen it levitate about an inch off the uh, player, flip 180 degrees, and sit right back down where it was. And I would have thought I was crazy, but my now wife, then girlfriend, saw the same exact thing. And it just, it broke my brain, okay? Uh, fans would turn on on and off by themselves, uh, you know, appliances. I would see strange beams of light coming out of the walls and ceilings, and I couldn't find the sources of them. I'd cover up all the cracks. It would be at nighttime. Can't explain that. So once my mom and dad got divorced, my dad no longer cared about what the house looked like. He was never hardly home. He commuted to Cincinnati, which is an hour away. He was hardly ever home. So the house was not being repaired over time. The roof was getting bad. You know, it was just, you know, the gutters were bad. The, the basement was falling in, all these bad things. So once that started happening, it felt like whatever was there was angry about it. And it, my father was not a very nice patient understanding man okay so once he would experience or have encounters with this entity he would scream at it and he would yell at it and it would retaliate it would he reported to me that it would rip his bedroom door off the hinges okay this sounds like horror movie stuff but i guarantee you that this really happens it's just rare but the single event okay here's the kicker the single event that i cannot turn back from i had a child he was two, and he just started beginning to talk, you know, form sentences, you know, that you can have a conversation. So we're upstairs in, the, in that same bedroom area, and he starts talking about a man named John. And I assume that he's trying to talk about his grandfather because my father's name is John. So I ask him, are you talking about your grandpa, John? He says, no, John R., he's dead. And... Wouldn't you happen to know that the firefighter who committed suicide was named John R.? What? Yes, dude. I, If I could articulate exactly how I felt to you, you would have PTSD. Yeah, like, okay. since it was coming from your kid, was it like a rage or was it more like a confusion? Like how... No, man. That's a lot of light coming from your kid. It, it was like he was... You know, just playing with his toys, talking, you know, like you see in a movie. It's kind of like, they're here type crap. It was exactly like that, man. It was the creepiest possible delivery you could think of. One with no context to it. Like it was normal for him to say that. And that was actually his first sentence. So what I do, I sit there in shock for I, I don't know how long. 
And then I just leave him there in his diaper, walk out and chain smoke for about 15, 20 minutes out in my backyard, just trying to process what the crap I just heard my son say. He's never, ever been told his name. It's never been spoken around him. Okay. So this is what I tell people. My origin story about the paranormal, it, it all led up to this point where I knew it was 100% no way that this could not occur unless he was having some type of exchange of information, whether it be verbal or psychic or telepathic, whatever you want to say, with an entity that sold us the house that's no longer living. So all these things that my mother was saying, my dad was experiencing, me and my brother would experience, just came to fruition it just now i'm stuck in this realm of knowing that the paranormal is real that everything going on that people talk about is real and i can't go back because let's just face it everybody has that little voice in your head saying oh you might be crazy oh you might be full of crap you know you could be an imaginant that little shred of doubt was erased at that point you know and, it, it, it it is it's, it's you get to that moment when you're you're having the you're learning about the paranormal, you're investigating the paranormal, you're looking to see if something's real, or something happens to you. It's like it's like once you know how the sausage is made, there's no going back. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, like once you've got a peek inside of it, there there is no going back. You know, once you once you've seen Wonderland, you're never the same person again. Right. Good analogy. It's a very transformative experience, and it seems to affect a lot of people in different ways. Because I've seen people have their first interaction with the paranormal and then they're just done they don't want to talk about it. they don't want to think about it they don't want to talk to you anymore and some people are like holy crud this is real i can't forget about it anymore i can't ignore it and then they just go all in and it's kind of interesting to see like what sort of people go through what sort of transformation something that i would like to to ask you about is you talked about have uh seeing and, and experiencing things in the house yourself talking about the pennies levitating and hearing that and, and seeing that type of stuff. And then you're you having those experiences where your kid is experiencing it. I, I, I you know, it's got to be terrifying just as like seeing those for yourself. But imagine that I can't, I can't even imagine because I don't have kids that sense of, I, I don't even know how to put it into words almost like, like that, that vulnerability, like, like something mm -hmm. is in your home with your kids, somebody, you know, that you're, that you are put on this earth to take care of. Yeah. And something you truly don't understand is interacting with your kid. Like, what, right. does, what does that feel like? What does that feel like? Well, that was the part where I, I was telling you that that's, that's where I went. That's the first place I went. Like, oh, no, I don't have control over this situation. I can't stop this. I don't understand this. And you feel completely vulnerable, like you said. And it's a vulnerability that people feel like when their child can, you know, gets sick and they can't help them and they're at the mercy of a doctor, you know, sort of thing. But it adds, you know, the fact that he's talking to people that's no longer alive adds a whole level of high strangeness to it where you feel absolutely alone. In, the, in that moment, but you realize later that there's a community out there that you can reach out to and not be alone, but that was not there at the time. So imagine, kind of the analogy would be, imagine having a child, having a doctor tell you that your child has cancer, and the reason they contracted cancer is from a dead person or something. I don't, I don't, it's just... 
it's strange. It's yeah, and you can, com- you can compound that by the fact when it comes to something like uh, my mother recently passed from cancer. And during that time, I had a lot of people in the community come forward and talk to me and commiserate with me. And they were able to sympathize with me. And I had people who had been through the same sort of experience easily have my access to help talk me through it. When it comes to a paranormal sort of situation like this, where so p- many people find that stigma, it's, you, have to, you have to reach out to them to find your community instead of being fortunate like in my situation where they came to me. And that has to just compound the whole issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So something, something that uh, that I will, but I need. To, do you still live in that house, or do you, or do you guys oh, no. move? Or okay. Did oh they... no, it's it, it it it's not even there anymore. Um, my dad, it got to the point where it's so dilapidated that the city actually tore it down, and it's just an empty lot now. It, dude, it's this that whole story and segment of my life is like the most craziest haunted novel you could possibly ever read. Like, you know, mixed with the abuse I suffered, me and my brother suffered, and the um, botched and failed marriage with the haunting that all was dynamic with the whole thing. You know, it's almost kind of like Andrea Perrin with The Conjuring House, yeah, but just different. Uh, so you talked about the house being dilapidated. I, I think this is, I, I really love to get your opinion on this. Something that is fairly common in many haunting stories, and definitely in the extreme haunting stories, is kind of a... A dilapidated house, like a house that's not being taken care of. Do you think that there that that's connected? What do you, what do you think? How do you think those two things like are connected? Well, there's a connection and there's a dynamic. It depends on the situation. I feel like um, a lot of houses, when they have things going on, you know, the energy laying to rest there and laying dormant there. See, there, there's there's energy. It's constantly, you know, neither created or destroyed, but it's constantly changing. But in the paranormal world, I feel like there is a barrier or some type of fabric where it gets embedded and it lays stagnant. And in these homes and structures where <clears throat> people live out their lives, a lot of things happen there, whether it be traumatic or meaningful to their lives, it just embeds into the structure itself. And the houses themselves become alive in a way we cannot understand. It's not like I'm talking to you and you, me and you have this dynamic and conversation and, and relationship. The house becomes conscious and an entity in and of itself. And once I, I believe Really, I really do believe that once a house becomes dilapidated in the etheric realm or the spirit realm, wherever that happens, there is a disruption between the two worlds. The connections start become torn and the house retaliates or goes through some type of um, either coping stage or some type of outlet trying to let whoever's there know that it's not happy or that it has something to communicate to you, and that's why you hear the bangs, the raps, and all the weird stuff in these hauntings. So, this the entity that you encountered in the house, it seemed like it was very powerful, and you hear about hauntings, but you very rarely hear about something able to tear um, a door from a door frame. What about your situation do you think made this entity so both aggressive and powerful? Um, I believe that it has to do with psychokinetics, you know. I believe that there is an energy, paranormal energy that we're yet to detect, measure, or understand that has 
a it does work on our physical systems or physical matter in our world the the time space continuum as we know it <clears throat> excuse me so i feel like the people out there that have pk abilities starts fires moved objects where they're alive that stuff survives death okay so your spirit form retains those abilities or might find that those abilities are the only thing that they have left and learn to develop them much like the movie ghost with patrick swayze okay that's the only thing that's left that you can do work onto the physical world and that is the very definition of energy so the psychokinetic energy the the mechanic there i believe is that you use that energy to transcend the spirit realm into the physical realm to do the, that type of work. And it requires some effort and intent of the entity doing that. But I think that, you know, it doesn't come innately. I think it's a process and I think it's something that, you know, is dynamic with the situation, but it goes along with whatever they're intending. If you're having an argument with an entity like my father would, it, you can make something angry or you can make some, entity do something to get your attention or show that they have dominance in a situation do you think um because there's been always this uh thought in the paranormal world that often ghost-like entities can feed off powerful emotions and things like that do you think in a situation like where you're talking about with your father yelling at it do you think that that's it feeding off that emotion or that just being able to use that uh, emotional state to choose an opportune time to attack that's that's a good question um and i really don't know in that particular situation i didn't feel like it, this entity in this particular house drained me because i think it never reacted to me like that just to my dad so you know you you know if you've ever been ghost hunting or paranormal investigating you've experienced power drain in your batteries yeah. oh, yeah. and your oh, equipment. Yeah. oh yeah well that's dc power and there's a, a hypothesis i have that i tried to um to educate people that you know, if you're an entity and that you need to survive and do the work in our, you know, in our 3D plus one time dimension, you need to replenish that. So the energy from our body is actually DC as well. So that's why you, it, you can't rely on the alternating current and the circuits and a lot of things that you plug in. It has to draw DC power. So that might be one source of energy. But the idea behind drawing energy from emotions that psychokinetic energy there might be something there to allow them to feed off of too and i do believe that that might be the recipe for a lot of paranormal phenomena that people you know actually report and experience that's neat because that's very similar to a theory that i run off of where basically it's a lot of what you're saying but i also connect um the idea of you know cold spots I, I often wonder if, because, you know, to move something, to interact with something, you need energy. I often wonder if that's it draining the energy out of the air around it. Thermal, thermal energy, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So if I convert my house to AC, I'm less likely to be haunted. Mm, well, maybe. Your house is <laughs> off AC, but okay. if you convert everything into AC, maybe you're not giving it much food. <laughs> <laughs> or it's going to come after me. <laughs> Well, just prepare yourself as well. No, no, no. Never mind. Never mind. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm just. I need to feed it something else. It can have anything else but me. Or we could have a cyborg Marcus. No, I don't want to be a cyborg. No, that would be awful. Paranormal. <laughs> Must eliminate skeptics. <laughs> prepare to be enlightened. <laughs> oh goodness. 
Well, your paranormal journey's been pretty intense, I, even from the very beginnings. How do you feel like... How do you feel like it's bloomed, like, coming forward, becoming part of the greater community, becoming a podcaster, doing YouTube, things like that? Well, I think that, you know, a lot of us, me and a lot of others like me, kind of got wrapped up in the paranormal pulp culture. There's a lot of shows that were popping out, like Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Paranormal State, around the time of 2012, 2013. That was already pretty much established. I kind of came in late there. But what really got me, I, I didn't get to this point because it's a very complex story. My dad dropped dead at work at, in 2011, and he had a massive heart attack, heart exploded. So I, I wasn't really prepared for that. I thought I was spiritually well often, you know, feel like that it wouldn't hit me as hard, but it really messed me up. So there for a while, I was obsessed with death and mortality and what happens when you die? Can't, will I ever see him again? All those things that happen when you lose a parent or a loved one like that. Mm -hmm. So it, I started watching the shows. I started, you know, embedding into that culture. So it was then I was like, oh, I can go out and buy a recorder and record EVPs. Oh, I can go out to these places and snoop around and see if I can find anything. That, that interest was already there, but that kick in the butt and that fire under, under the proverbial butt happened then. Okay, so once that happened, I've, you know, I feel like I have the personality to speak, the personality to learn and teach as I learn. And the, I have the wiring that will enable me to be a filmmaker, a storyteller, and, a, you know, just producing documentaries and video content and all sorts of content that I do to not only connect with those that are having similar experiences or interested in those type of things but i feel like as long as i connect with people that way it's like a band-aid on my pain on my confusion and my all of those bad emotions that you know come out of those experiences the fear the you know the sorrow the the you know all this you know complex stuff that comes out i feel that that's what salves me and heals me so when i do these type of things i'm not out there to be the next you know zach bagans i'm not out there to be famous but what i want people to understand and my flowering as you stated is hey here's me this is what makes me me this is what's on my mind this is what you know makes me work this is my wiring here it is if you like that if you can connect and resonate with that that's what I'm after is that connection and that outlet of creativeness and connecting with other people. That's what has made me bloom over the years. Yeah, that's awesome that you're able to take that and channel that into a positive coping skill to push through because I can say firsthand, man, losing a parent, it is hard. It hits you in ways that you don't expect it to hit you. And it, it can drag you down if you let it. But going back to something that you were saying earlier about a lot of the television shows out there, one of my favorite quotes from watching Interfaces at Death was, uh, who, who do you think you are, Zach Baggins? I <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was one of the one of our uh, earlier uh, episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he, he, it's just, he, it came out in a weird way. He didn't really know how to react, and we made fun of him for the... We still make fun of him for that, but that was a great comedic moment. I, I kind of teetered on whether I should edit that out because 
sometimes I can get a little too serious, you know, because I want people to take me seriously. But at, in the same you know, thought, I'm like, wait a minute, this is going to be a nice comedic relief in the episode. So I left that in. Oh, I'm so glad you did. I was I was working on something while I was uh, listening to the episode, and I got to that part. I just dropped my pin and look up at the TV. I just busted up laughing. <laughs> I just thought it was just such a cool moment. Yeah, it, it's it's filled it's filled the room with laughter ever since. I mean, it's just, but but sometimes when you're you're delving into the paranormal and you are dealing with some very deep and serious topics, I mean, just sometimes you might just you just have to have. I mean, yes, you need to have reverence for what you're doing and what you're dealing with a lot of them, but sometimes you just have to have that that lightheartedness aspect of it too, for just not to suck you too far down so far down the rabbit hole you can't get out. Yeah, there's those human elements, and you know, like I'm trying to evolve as a storyteller and entertainer in that way. Even though this stuff is just real events, you still have to sprinkle that in there because it's a balance. You, you guys know, you know, because mm-hmm. you know, you guys know a lot about being serious and you know doing the comedy and finding you know those romantic comedies that you watch. If they're done well, they're some of the greatest movies ever put out. Oh, yeah, and it's often important to like, because you know, if you're in a tight situation, if there's a lot of really kind of out there stuff going on around you. You get real tense. You start to lock up. And when you're locked up like that, you make bad decisions at the spur of the moment. If you have someone there who can keep the other per- or keep the group kind of light, you're more likely to make a more rational decision. I mean, when um, when me and Marcus were out at Scales Lake and there was this weird voice going over the, over the uh, hills and stuff and things got real weird there for a few moments, we started to get tense, but then we kind of cracked back at each other, got each other going again and... Just kept going on the investigation. Being like, yeah, you know, you know, wow, this is this is it. This is this is how we die. <laughs> yeah, Here. and uh, the later it gets, the more slap happy you you get. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's that 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 is true. That lack of sleep can do that to you. <laughs> um. So something that uh, I would love to to talk to you. You're. Because you're you're very uh, you know you're a professional uh, paranormal investigator and and when I watch your stuff I'm like this is this is something that I think that people can learn from and 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 one of the things that you do a lot of stuff that I've seen is is EVP sessions right okay so if if somebody is listening to this and they they want to start getting into the paranormal they want to do that EVP sessions are a popular things amongst people they're they're things that they do or maybe uh, a paranormal investigator is listening to this what advice would you give to somebody to do a EVP session correctly to try to get that most uh, important encounter from it? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I could, I could just rattle on with all kinds of procedures and protocol to that, but I think you need to start with knowing the definition of what an EVP is. And that varies. There's a spectrum of belief when it comes to what EVP are. I've heard people that hear something with their own ears and call that with an EVP, which in my definition is false, it's incorrect. So you want to start off with knowing what EVP is. It's an electronic voice phenomenon. It's something that occurs on electronic media, but you do not hear in the time that it was recorded. Okay, so what you want to do is try to get the best recording devices, audio recording devices that you possibly afford, the better, the more expensive and the higher quality, the better data you're going to get. There's just no question about it. 
do not, I repeat, do not buy an RRDR60, okay? That is the worst possible thing you can do. And I can go on for an hour telling you why. But you need good quality audio equipment. And the more microphones that you have, the more independent variables that you can record from and cross-check, the better your results and data will be. So, for example, if you're recording with your camera and you have a voice recorder in your hand, all, all things aside, you know, there's bad things about hand-holding your equipment while you're recording that could contaminate it, but this is just an analogy. If you get something on your handheld recorder but not on your camera and it's coming through at a high volume within a certain frequency range that is very audible, you should capture it on both. There's strange circumstances where you shouldn't capture it on both, but if you set up the same scenario over and over and over and record audio, you will hear it on both. They're so close together. They're both, you know, have preamps. They're very, very sensitive. So when you only have that phenomena come across one recording device and not the other, that's when you can start seeing the anomalies appear what, that we call EBP. So try to think about that. You don't want to just rely on that one re voice recorder. You have nothing to check it against to validate the anomalous nature of it. You can't just rely on your memory or your memory of not hearing it or hearing it. So to be objective as possible, you want to have at least two recording devices rolling and try to find the anomalies by cross-checking the devices. And that's the best advice I can give you while doing EVP. Awesome. So um, what would you say was probably one of your more memorable experience doing an EVP sessions? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> 2014, rewind. Um, uh, I had a completely different team at that time, and one of my team members had a cousin that was had a very traumatic experience. They lost. He lost his daughter. Him and his wife lost his daughter at the age of 15. She had respiratory issues, and she ended up suffocating to death in their garage, their attached garage to their home. And they, the wife was having a very hard time. Um, emotionally and physically dealing with her child's death. Um, it happened like three days after or before Christmas. I can't remember now, but they never took down the tree, the Christmas tree. They didn't un finish unwrapping the presents under the tree. There was garland and the Christmas lights still hung. Her room was completely untouched. There were shrines of her daughter with rosary beads and pictures of Jesus everywhere throughout the house. It was crazy when you walked in there, but she would have dreams of holding her daughter's hand and her dream when she'd wake up, she would still be holding her hand and then all of a sudden vanish. Uh, the father would report cold spots, hearing her daughter's name being spoken to him and couldn't find her anywhere. Family members would come over, be sleep on the couch and feel a cold hand touch them. All those type of typical things mixed in with the the strange dream-like phenomena that the mother was experiencing. So this guy who reached out to my team member said, hey, I don't believe in ghosts. I'm not into the paranormal, but this stuff's happening. Can you help me? And she's like, okay, well, I'll bring in Justin. So we go in there, set up our recording equipment, you know, do a very, you know, scientific-based investigation like I preach and advocate, and we just record 
20 hours of EMF spikes that we can't explain, 20 degree raises and drops in temperature, sounds of a what seemed like a little girl uh, suffocating to death, um, a female voice saying her name, her father's name, all these crazy things. At one point, it even activated my laptop while it was closed and started playing files randomly. Okay, all kinds of weird stuff. But what the best EVP I've ever captured was using a white noise and a separate recorder. So what he did was give me a two-page list of things he wanted me to ask his daughter. So if you can imagine this list, it kind of ranged from, hey, how are you? Are you okay? Aunt Susie says hi, so on and so forth like that. And at the very end of the list, it says, I love you. So I get through the whole list. I'm, nothing's, I'm having a, a Shack Hack 12 587 running. I had one of them at the time. And I had it set to AM. And it was just the, the most horrendous noise and static was coming out of it. Nothing was coming out of it. Not one thing. Not radio. Not nothing. So at the end, it's, it says, I love you. I read that out. I'm like, okay. If you're here, tell your father you love him. Let him know that you are here. Nothing comes out. So we stop the session. We immediately review the session. And at the end, that very last question I ask, tell your dad that I love you. Let him know you hear. You hear the crazy. You've watched the movie The White Noise, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just imagine what the voices sound like coming out of that movie. That's exactly what the voice sounded like. It did not sound like a human voice. But it was loud and super clear and just, it was plain as day, I love you in the most crazy white noise you could possibly imagine. And I was, what was so profound about this, guys, was the camera, the video camera I was recording, it did not come across. It did not come across the laptop recording, but it only came across the handheld digital recorder laying next to the ghost box. And that's where it was. And it's loud. I, I have it on my YouTube channel. It's a very old video, but it's it's the craziest thing I've ever validated. It's it's a proven EVP, and I'm so proud of this. But what makes it memorable, profound, was when we're t- we're letting the father listen to us, and he says he hears it, but it doesn't sound like his daughter. So we explain to him they don't have vocal cords, you know. So they're using the white noise. And after the fifth replay, he jumps and falls out of his chair, white as a ghost, and he's looking behind him, shaking. And we ask him, what's going on? What's going on? And he's like, well, I felt this energy come from the hallway from where her bedroom was, rush down the hallway and speak into my ear, but I could not tell what it said. And it scared a holy crap out of me. So we grab our gear and our cameras, run to our bedroom. Nothing happens. We replayed the audio on that. And I swear to God, guys, you hear a woman say his first name. And he was astonished by it. But what makes this even more memorable was we tell him, you know, our belief is that some people, when they see that mom and dad are not dealing with the death very well, it's affecting their marriage. They're wanting to split up because one can't get over it and the other one wants to or doesn't want to, you know, wants to move on and the mom doesn't. It can strain a marriage. And she and I told him what I feel personally is she she is not crossing over or going to wherever she needs to go because of this situation. You need to stick with your wife. You need to do what you need to do as a man and a husband to help your mother or not your mother, but your wife deal with this. And then this will stop. 
and it did. It, it happened exactly the way I hoped it would. He never came back and reported anything else to me. And we actually did this investigation completely um, in secret from his wife because he knew that she would be ballistic if we did this. So to this day, her mother didn't even know that we contacted her, you know. And I felt like I helped a family deal with this at the same time getting groundbreaking evidence of electronic voice phenomena and it probably won't ever happen again but i was lucky enough to get it wow that, that's a pretty amazing story <clears throat> i know your work with uh ghosts is extremely well documented um do you ever do any work outside of uh or still within the paranormal but outside of ghosts yeah on sometimes uh well i've done documentaries on a couple cryptids like the mothman i'm Really close to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Been down there, did the festival, you done a documentary. So um, I actually plan to go to Loveland next summer. Someone oh, is. Oh, so guess what I'm going to be doing next summer? Frogman. <laughs> Frogman, yes. So I'm going to be doing Frogman next summer. I'll do a whole documentary on that, which you probably are going to want to see. And, yeah. Um, I, I do cryptic stuff. I interview people in my local area that's had UFO sightings. I do have one YouTube video about a guy went to high school that was trained as a uh, stinger missile guy in the army that's seen the most incredible UFO. It was um, one of those V-shaped ones. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I did. I do do those from time to time when you know they're local. I don't try to chase down UFO sightings and reports or anything. But I do branch out a little bit and I do cryptic stuff. I do psychical research. This whole year, if you noticed, I do. I have two psychics on my team. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I do psychical research as well. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like I, I've watched a lot of your channel. I can't say that I've gone through the full catalog, but I you you really know your stuff on the paranormal, man. It's it's very interesting to see both you guys, are you and your team out there working with it, trying different experiments, working in technology. Things along those lines. It's very, very interesting watching. To anyone out there who hasn't checked out his stuff, you really, really, really should. It's first. It is the editing and the cinematography is absolutely amazing. But more importantly, the subject matter, what they're focusing on, they're very on point. Yeah, definitely. I, definitely, I would say you you guys do not get the credit that you guys deserve for the kind of work that you guys do. It, it is definitely some next level stuff. Well, yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, I have a comment on that. Um, a lot of people that, you know, probably are maybe well-known or, you know, have a lot more uh, reach with their uh, their videos and stuff, I think the, what sets me apart from them is I kind of let people know how I feel. Like, things about the, you know, the RDR 60 you know, SLS cameras and all the and ghost boxes, I speak my mind about that. I'm very skeptical and I understand equipment a heck of a lot more than most ghost hunters do. And I, when when people hear me talk about me trying to debunk these gadgets and methodologies people use, it really stigmatizes me. You know, it it, it kind of like puts me in a realm of oh, he just tried to discredit every all my paranormal work and beliefs. So screw that guy. You know what I'm saying? So. If you watch my stuff and I say something against your belief, I'm not saying that you're wrong, I'm right. I'm just telling you 
from what I learn and from my research, this is what I believe, and I'm going to tell you why in very great detail. But by any means, I'm not telling you that you're, you're no, you, I'm not discrediting you outright. I'm just trying to put the information out there and ask for your feedback. If you don't agree or understand, that is completely okay. We can still be friends. We can still, you know, work together or have an understanding or a connection. But I, I do feel like I kind of set myself outside the popular culture in the paranormal. Well, I think that can easily happen to a lot of people because I mean, when you're when you're looking into the paranormal, you're you're dealing with beliefs. You're investigating it. Yeah, you're investigating. You're you're you know you're dealing with people's beliefs, uh, the facts, and this weird you know this gray area in be, in between. And and you know when you're doing that, sometimes you have to be. You know, you're only as good as your equipment, you know. So I, you know, I think that's why I think some people can get really kind of bent out of shape sometimes whenever you get it, whenever you critique some of the equipment that they use. That they use yeah, it's, like it's that. when it comes to challenging things, people can, you know, especially now, you know, the times now, people are sensitive, and when you challenge someone's belief, it can be, it can get really rocky really fast. It can, there's a division that happens, you know, very easily. So. I have to I have to work through that, but um, I do try to embrace people's beliefs and ideas and the ways they investigate. But I cannot feel comfortable and feel like I'm doing what I need to do if I do not tell people, you know, if something's not good to use. Like I I just have to do that. That's that's it's the my honest approach to it. Well, while we, have, while we have you on here, let's use you as a resource. What are some of the equipment you definitely recommend and some of the ones you definitely do not recommend? Okay, well, I de- definitely recommend the best video camera you can afford and the best audio recorder you can afford. And as many audio recorders and cameras you have, of course, more data you can collect and cross-check with each other. Um, outside of that, it's all pretty much research and things that are used that have not been proven to do what they do. We do use EMF detectors. If you do use that, you have to understand how they work and what you're actually measuring. Um, you know, the tri-filled meter is a really good one. We do use mel meters, but some of the newer ones have problems with false positives. You want to use meters that can be calibrated, that have good sensors, and the more axes and more sensor access points that you have, the better the EMF data you can get. So the trifo meter is good, but you can't record the data as you're collecting it. So there's different setups. You can go to the website that we have to kind of help you figure out what you want to use. Outside of that, the ghost boxes, you really, really shouldn't rely on that. I would stay away from those unless you're using it to generate white noise and not getting an ERF because there's no way you can know if it's radio or not, despite what your brain wants, how, how your brain wants to perceive it. Yep. You just want to try to stay objective. Yep, stay same away thing from, too. <laughs> stay away from SLS cameras. It's not designed to pick up ethereal entities. It's designed to pick up physical entities in a very crude and gamey-like way. Okay, so do not use an SLS camera. Do not use thermal in- imaging. The FLIRs only pick up surface temperature. They will not pick up a freestanding cold spot or a hot spot unless it's on a surface. So it has limited use. 
you can if a door opens by itself you can scan the door with the flare and see if there's any variation and anomalies there on surfaces trigger objects so on and so forth it can't be used it can be used for that but you can't see a ghost with it okay um stay away from the digital dousing stuff like the uh the ovelus stuff and the ghost apps and stuff like that just stay away from that stuff the best thing you can do is simplify it to a camera and a recorder let me tell you 99.9 percent of all ghost reports start with a visual sighting or hearing something and feeling stuff there's the subjective human experience that you need to investigate and there's the things that you're going out there to try to capture either visually or audibly those are the that's where you want to sink your money into everything else are is pretty much entertainment and trying to research what works what doesn't so that would be my best advice for cool. you guys Going back to something you said earlier about the uh, EMF readers, one of the things I really hated to see this, but um, I was watching, oh God, one of the earlier paranormal investigation shows, and they're walking around the house, and this lady turns on the EMF reader and holds it up to the on TV and gets a reading, and she's like, oh, there, there's something's going to happen here around the TV. I'm like, what, what a course is giving off the EMF? <laughs> this is a plugged-in TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is, so, this is the opposite of paranormal. This is so, super normal. <laughs> yeah, so from, you know, this this is the lesson you need to learn. You need to understand your equipment and what it does. If an EMF, EMF detector detects magnetic fields around things with electricity flowing through them, guess what? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what does this pick up? <clears throat> ghost energy. But no. what, what's ghost energy? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the energy ghost put up. <laughs> Okay, okay, what exactly is that? It's ghost energy, Marcus. I'm like, I'm okay. You know what? Now, if, Here we if go. you see a ghost walk into the room and the meter goes off, you might want to log that. I did, yeah. yeah. It was like my, the ghost energy spiked as well as a uh, ghost sighting. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm going to line that. 947, okay. <laughs> Okay, so uh, final uh, final th question here for me: uh, Would you recommend the uh, Ghostbuster uh, Proton Pack for entertainment purposes? Absolutely, it's probably the nerdiest, cool thing you could have. What about if home you're, defense? If you're into ghosts. <laughs> um, that's about all it's good for. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good conversation piece. Uh, apps that that sounds great. Well, you know, man, uh, you know, Justin, I think this could, this about wraps up. I think the the this the segment for the podcast that we that we put out to everybody. Uh, stick around, everybody, if you're if you're a patron, because we still got some more questions here for Justin. But uh, we super appreciate you, man, coming on the podcast, man, a lot. It's no problem, man. Thank you for having me. It was it, it was more fun than I thought it would be. You know, it, you just can't you can't really imagine how much fun you're going to have with somebody after it's been for so long but it's just you guys exceeded my expectations of funness thank you for that yeah man we're, we're just so glad to have you. you've been so much fun to talk to and, and me me and marcus were we swing a little bit to the plebeian side <laughs> having, having someone on here that knows so much about the technology stuff it, it's been real great yeah so you definitely go to interfacedeath.net and check out all the educational stuff that we have on our tech and research pages. You can learn a lot and you can message me and contact me and let me, you know, ask me questions and even educate me on stuff. I'm, 
definitely open to that. Absolutely. And we're going to put uh, links to your guys' social media, to your guys' YouTube stuff, all in the description here for, uh, for people to go to so that they can check you guys out. I absolutely recommend anybody listening to check out Justin. We've said it again and again. He, he's phenomenal, and you should really check out his work. Thank but, you. But for now, guys, keep because we'll keep listening. So, Justin, uh, for the uh, what I love to hear uh, would a little bit more about is you said you're going to make a documentary about uh, the the Loveland Frogman. Yes, that's that's what I'm going to intend to do. Can we ask year. you questions about it? Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, it's still just an idea. I, I don't know a whole lot about the, the actual cryptid lore, and I'm sorry about that. I only live 50 minutes from Loveland, Ohio. But this is this is why I'm excited about doing it, because I, I'm going to learn about it as I'm doing it. Well, you know what? If you need some help with the research, we do have Absolutely. a video on it. We did. We I, actually did I a know. video where we talked about the Loveland Frogman. And I, I absolutely have watched it. I oh, have. That's that, that, is, that is awesome. So what what drew your attention to the Loveland Frogman? Like what got you interested in wanting to do something on them? Um, well, uh, a guy who lived out in Texas, his name's uh, Daniel Dunn. He's um, in a group called Paraholics. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he has a shirt. That is an awesome shirt that's got the Loveland Frogman on it. And I was on Instagram, and I was like, hey, man, do you know I only live 50 minutes from Loveland? He's like, well, crap, man. Why the hell do you not go down there and do something? (laughs) I'm like, that's a really good question. I'm like, that's... This is like, you know, I was like, maybe I should research this thing that's not too far away. Right. And, you know, it's just trying to, you know, branch out a little bit, do things a little differently. So that's one of my goals for next year. So I'm going, I promise I will have something. If it's not a full length documentary, it will at least be something.